Morning, friends. Thanks for joining us online for our live stream service, Time of Worship. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church Mission, BC. We connect like this every Sunday, actually, at 10 a.m. Through the week, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we post a midweek follow-up extension and application of the Sunday morning teaching. You can also sign up for our, our email newsletter at cedarvalley.ca, where we post pastoral encouragements, ministry stuff, and how we're helping out locally and globally at this time. Speaking of which, did you know that the Hospital Auxiliary is celebrating its 100th anniversary? I didn't either. Did you know that the Auxiliary, it's a tough word to say, raises thousands and thousands of dollars each year for local hospitals? Did you know that the Cottage Thrift Store Downtown Mission is part of the Hospital Auxiliary? And did you know that we have a number of Cedar Valley Church people who volunteer there, who are making masks for the entire staff, who are all volunteers, for when they hope to open on June 1st? Awesome. Way to go, church. Thanks for loving and serving our city in this very practical way. If you'd like to help out, actually, just give us a shout at the church and we'll get you connected to those folks that are doing that already. Now, let's get to it. We're going to have a time of worship singing. We're going to have uh, a time of kids teaching with Pastor Doug. And oh, it's going to be awesome, especially if you're a parent. And then we're going to have a teaching time on Psalm 62. And then a time of closing prayer for adults with Pastor Grant. But just before we get to that, I have a friend who is the owner manager of a pizza store in Chilliwack. She tells me that her sales are up 15% since the start of COVID, which tells me that we're eating a lot more pizza these days in Chilliwack. On that note, let me ask you a question and you can respond to it online. And here it is. What is your favorite pizza topping? church family. It's uh, Brad and Jen, and we would just like to invite you to worship along with us today. Jesus. 
children of your mercy, rescued for your glory. We cry, Jesus, let our hearts toward you, that every eye would see you, lifted
Hey kids, it is great to see you again. Now, for our lesson today, you're going to need a few supplies. So, what if you don't have them already on a table ready to go, what you're going to need is some pepper. Just regular pepper from the kitchen is all right. You're going to need a glass or a small bowl with water. Enough that you could reach into it and touch it with your finger. Not a big plate, just a cup or a small bowl. And you're going to need some dish soap. I've got this Dawn brand here and it's got look like looks like a little duckling on there. Nice and fuzzy and friendly. Those are the three things that you're going to need for our lesson today. If you don't already have them, I'm going to give you a minute to go get them. And while you're doing that, I want to tell everybody from Cedar Valley that we want to celebrate together with Joseph and Sarah Sherman that baby Zachariah arrived in their house last Saturday, May the 18th. We want to celebrate with them and blessings to you, Jacob. Okay, kids, are you ready? Now, I'm sure that a lot of you have been outside quite a bit lately. And you know what? That's a good thing because when you're outside, your mom can get a bit of quiet time inside. But when you're outside having fun, you're probably a good chance that you're going to be getting dirty. And you know what? That's okay because, well, dirt happens. And then if there's water, well, then you know what happens. It turns to mud and it's on your hands and on your clothes, maybe in your hair, which is okay because that's kind of fun. But when you come inside, if you're not careful, then all of a sudden the floor has mud on it, maybe the walls, maybe the counter in the bathroom, and if you didn't wash properly, those nice fresh towels in the bathroom, they're going to be dirty too. And that's not so good because we all know that moms don't like dirty towels. Well, what are you going to do? You need some soap to scrub yourself and sometimes really hard to get clean. And even then, sometimes we're left with stains that the soap doesn't get out. Well, what if you get dirty on the inside? You know, by doing some things that are wrong, sometimes if you say words that aren't kind, or you do things that aren't really nice, well, that's sin. And that gets our heart all dirty on the inside. Now, you can't use soap to clean your inside. If you drink this, you're just going to get really sick. So, don't try that. But, listen to the words that King David said in the book of Psalms, chapter 52, verses 7 and 10. Check this out. Create in me a clean heart. O God, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wow! How cool is that? God can make our hearts clean, our lives clean, just like that. No scrubbing, no stains left, it's just gone. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. And through Jesus, he will make you clean. God will forgive you. And that's like cleaning your heart. So let's try this experiment together to see how quickly God takes that sin right away and gives us a clean heart. So we're going to start with our 
little cup of water here, and some pepper. Now, pepper is kind of dark like sin, so we're going to sprinkle some in there. You know what? Not too much. Don't fill it all up. Just sprinkle a little bit in there because you know what? You're kind of young and you haven't sinned that much in your life now anyways. So we're going to take that. Then you're going to take your dish soap and maybe with the help of your mama and dad sitting close, I want you to put some on the tip of your finger just like that and just kind of rub it around so the whole end of your finger has some soap on it. There's a little cloth just to keep things clean. Although this will get them clean anyway, so it's not like it's dirt. Then what I want you to do, and I'm going to bring this just a little bit closer here so everybody else can see. You can see in our water, right in the middle there, all that pepper is floating around, that darkness. It's like it's right in the middle of our heart. Well, how do we clean that? How quickly does God clean our hearts? I want you to take your finger with the soap on the end of it and just put it right in the center. Wow, bam, did you see that? Instantly, clean, gone, all of that pepper just shot to the outside of the cup and it's all clean, right in the center. That's how quickly God cleans our heart. That's pretty cool, isn't it? When we ask for forgiveness and through Jesus Christ, he cleans us just like that. How good does that feel? Now, I have two challenges for you. The first one is that whenever you see some dish soap in your house, I want you to remember, ah, that's right, God can clean my heart. I can't clean it by myself. I get it dirty, but it takes God to clean it when I ask for forgiveness. That's the first one. Second challenge is, now, in just a moment, your moms and dads and parents, they are going to be listening to Pastor Grant preach a really great message this morning. But what I want you to do, while well, they're listening to Pastor Grant, I want you to go somewhere in the house and clean something. Now, maybe you can go to your room and grab a whole heap of laundry and throw it in the washer. Maybe you could go to the bathroom and clean off the counter. That's maybe dirty. Maybe you could go to the kitchen and put some dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Find a spot that could use some cleaning and to show how thankful you are to God for cleaning your heart of the sin that you're going to go do something and clean something. And your parents will think that is really cool. Have a great week and we will see you next Sunday. Bye. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Grant here, one of the pastors at Cedar Valley Church, and it is good to be on camera, or at least on this side of the camera. Often these past weeks, I've been on the other side of the camera behind it, uh, behind the computer, doing all of the post-production. Uh, many of you know that since going online, my job here has almost entirely switched to becoming a bit of a production manager, just taking in all the video stuff, compiling it, making sure that we get a chance to still meet online together. We can learn together, pray and worship together on Sunday mornings. And, and you know what? I'm super thankful to be able to provide that. I'm not saying that to try to brag though. Here's, uh, there's a lesson I've been learning about myself that I want to be able to relate for you guys all out there is that 
If you've ever wanted to shake up your self-confidence, I have a good piece of advice for you. Just film yourself and watch it. And in fact, if you want to really throw yourself down a little bit of a spiral of that, be the same person to do all of the post-production on that clip and just start analyzing yourself and watch whatever confidence you had in yourself, especially for public speaking or presentation, uh, just gets really picked apart by all the little consistency, inconsistencies you feel like you need to manipulate and edit out, cut out, stuff like that. Uh, but the good news is that's a lesson that is important for me to learn. I'm sure it's something for all of you to learn, uh, self-confidence in yourself, that the Psalms, the book of the Bible that we're going through right now as a church, gives us a good answer to. So the first question I got to ask you is, are you a confident person? Do you have a lot of confidence in yourself? And honestly, maybe a bit of overconfidence in yourself, or is there maybe no confidence in yourself? A good way to tell about where your self-confidence lies is in your response to crisis or things that come up in your life that are unpredicted, when your normals kind of get thrown out the door, when COVID-19 comes out of here and just takes all of our norms and our routines and puts boundaries in our way so we can't do any of those things. Humans have two responses to these kind of things. It's called the fight or flight response. And a uh, quick little bit of a description on how our confidence relates to these. Uh, if you have a fight response, and that's something I can relate to, it means you typically take a look at a crisis, you're quick to jump up and act, usually before thinking. Sometimes our overconfidence inspires us thinking that we've got all the skills we need, all of the answers already, and we just tackle it on. Sometimes bad results coming out of this, but we think that we can tackle whatever comes our way. We have a fight response and we just start moving towards it. And some of us have a flight response where maybe we don't have as much self-confidence in our skills or power or wealth or influence or whatever it might be. And we kind of remove ourselves from situations. And in fact, sometimes that means we either have to look for an external source of confidence, but likely we don't even have that to pull at immediately. Now, I'm not trying to make one of these responses sound better than the other. In fact, when it comes to being a little bit over self-confident, uh, focusing on ourselves, you are probably somebody I'm talking to a bit more specifically this morning and what this psalm is talking about uh, because we can have all the confidence we want in ourselves, but when something comes our way that rips it out of our grasp, uh, what are we left with? Kind of nothing as well. So the book of Psalms gives us context and language to express what we're feeling in any given situation. That's what's so beautiful about it. And that's why we've called this series As I Am, because it's a collection of human emotional responses to God about what we believe about Him to be true, but how we kind of take our lives, our ups and our downs, and bring them to God. So Psalm 62, that's where we're at. This is a psalm about what we put our confidence in when we can't put it in ourselves. Take out your Bibles or open up a new tab on your computer or get the app open because I'm not going to have scripture up here. It's a little bit too small, but worth reading along. We're going to go through this psalm. And while you do that, I'll tell you a bit about it. This is a psalm written by King David. And so David is a powerful king, an absolute legend in Israel's history. He was a military legend. He started off by coming in and taking on one of Israel's biggest, literally Goliath. Uh, one of their biggest enemies, just took him out of the running. He knew what to do. 
And after that, he just kept on going with his military campaign. And in fact, the Israelites had songs they would sing about him. Their current king, Saul, they would say, yeah, Saul's pretty good. He could take on a thousand guys, but King David could take on 10,000 men without a problem, doesn't even break a sweat. And on top of his military reign, David also was known, famously known for being a skilled musician and poet. And in fact, a lot of these this book of Psalms uh, were written by David. He had stuff recorded that's been repeated for thousands and thousands of years. He, this guy, he was also wise in leadership. He was strong. He was brave. He had it all. He had strength, power, wealth, all the skills he needed to be a fighter, confident in himself. In fact, every excuse to be way overconfident because his skill set, his attributes have proven him, proven successful time after time after time until one point that slippery temptation of just focusing all on your own abilities betrayed him and he depended on his own human might while it was so amazing what the world would say is about as good as you can get in a moment of human weakness he had a massive moral failure and that brought about massive leadership failures and all of a sudden people who were against him saw this weakness started to rise up to try to usurp the kingdom so David in the time of writing this while he was still king had completely lost his strength and his leadership. I can't think of the word of it right now, (laughs) but he just, he lost his leadership influence for everybody. And he, what we see in this Psalm is his humble expression to God, looking for what he can do out of this. Now he was a fighter. He's become a flighter needing to find something to put his confidence in. And if you're going to tune out right now, I'll spoil the ending for you because at least the thing I want you to remember out of all this is that David turns to God. In fact, he turns back to God and he states in this time of crisis, he declares that he needs to put his confidence back in God. So here's what the Psalm looks like. Psalm 62. It's got a bit of this structure to it. And what happens is David starts off with this statement of praise. It's just like this nugget of truth that he knows to be true about God probably something that he had memorized from when he was a kid. And so he just starts by expressing that. He states it. He says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will, and I will never be shaken. And he repeats that a couple of times throughout this Psalm and it's really cool. But whether he believes it or not, or feels it or not at the time of writing this, he starts off by just simply stating it. And from there, he goes on to starting to expressing his frustrations. He starts venting to God. And it's actually a really important um, lesson to learn here that he starts by stating this truth about God, whether he feels it or not. Then he goes on to his venting, his emotions, right? And we usually start with the emotions and then finally go back to God, please help me. He goes on next to start saying how he feels. And this second part here, uh, starting at verse 3, is... Uh, the heart of what this whole book of Psalms is about. It's really this collection of artistic, poetic, human emotion. And a major chunk of the Old Testament, uh, often called the Torah, is really this collection of stories and history and lessons and data. And it was passed down by story, uh, spoken word and writing from generation to generation. But this book of Psalms was also passed down alongside it. And it was this uh, complementary piece for what shaped Israel as a nation. And uh, a perfect example for you to see how these two pieces work together, uh, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about this as we continue through the series of Psalms, 
is if you think about any great movie scene, uh, your favorite movie, right at the climactic pivotal moment uh, where the hero saves a day, Iron Man snaps his fingers and makes everything right. There's a big spoiler for you. Uh, actually, the movie that's in my mind right now is my favorite childhood movie, Free Willy. And uh, so if you think about your favorite movie, but in, in Free Willy, there's this point right near the end of the movie where Willy the whale is uh, about to be free, but there's whalers trying to come in and capture him again. And so his trainer is getting him to come up and do this big jump and it starts getting big epic musics boiling over and there's slow motion camera angles. And I think there's a sunset too. And the whale jumps up over this breakwater. And if you were to take away all of the art and the sound and the, the music from that, it would just be this bizarre scene in a harbor with boats circling around, this kid running around on the docks yelling at a whale who can't understand him, especially being underwater. And it would just be like a weird day at Steveson Marina in Richmond. Uh, but the music complements the story and makes this massive connecting experience for humanity. So that's what the Psalms are about. And so that's where we see David start expressing in verse 3 and 4, talking about the people who are now rising up against him. And he feels powerless. He has no more confidence in himself to deal with it. He says, surely these people intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies and with their mouths they, with their mouths they bless me, but in their hearts they curse me. And then David moves on to a statement of praise to God again. In fact, he repeats the thing he started with. He says, again, truly you are my rock and my salvation, my fortress, and I will not be shaken. And I bet you this time now is this, this memorized, repeated phrase he's got. David is starting to believe it because now he just, he just spewed his heart out to God and he realizes he needs this now more than ever. And here is a powerful lesson for us about why, you know, even in, uh, for our kids' ministries, we often teach kids that, like, memorize this verse. We'll give you a badge, and it's not just for the reward of the badge. Memorizing stuff and repeating it to ourselves is crucially important because whether we believe it or not, we start repeating these statements and these truths about God, and we start realizing how they apply to our lives. So after that, David moves into uh, declaring a, a truth about the human situation that he's in, that we're all in, and the fact that the confidence that he used to have in himself, that he saw fail himself, uh, confidence in man or just dependence in his own flesh alone was pointless. Um, no matter how great you are, no matter how many things that you have that the world says is all you need, it's all temporary and it will fade. Confidence in the flesh did nothing for David and it won't do anything for us either in that. Uh, so he goes on at the end and finally just gives a statement of devotion to God where he's finished this psalm. It's just 12 verses long, so it's really quick. It goes from praise to this expression of emotion back to praise, a statement of truth and realization, and really ends on this heart here that... Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. You reward everyone according to what they have done. And what he's saying there is for those who put their trust in you, their confidence in you, you reward them for where they lie, their allegiance. This is the whole point here is David is realizing for himself, and he writes a song for us to sing about putting our confidence back into God when we lose it. In ourselves and we fail in ourselves and when we have to realize that too and so here's the big thing so it was modeled by king david thousands and thousands of years ago 
And then it got remodeled by Jesus beautifully in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so this is Jesus, and it's in the book of Luke, recorded uh, at time of crisis before he was arrested and eventually going to be crucified, be tortured and eventually killed. Uh, and he knew all of this. He started wrestling the weight of this. And he, know, he knew he's going to face this, but the confidence in his flesh and in his humanity started to fail him. And what we see is his first turn is to God. He turns to God the Father in prayer. Now, the thing that's fascinating about this is Jesus could have easily just gone to his mother for comfort. He could have had confidence in Mary. And I, I mean, that's something that a lot of us can relate to, going to family when there's times of trouble, when uh, crisis comes up. And right now in COVID as well, at least you know, we've been able to see some of our family right now, the restrictions are lifting some more. That's probably the thing we're looking forward to the longest is just meeting together with people. So that's the first thing we want to run to. And the same way, Jesus could have just gone to confide in his disciples. Probably not all 12. One of them betrayed him, but even his three best buddies. Uh, even more so a lesson if Jesus was acting like the church does these days, he could have just called up a crisis committee and held a prayer meeting. But instead, his first response is to go to God the Father. And he's emotionally open. He's sweating blood. He's completely real, pounding the ground. And not confident in his own flesh, but confident in God's plan. So he truly lives out David's Psalm 62 there. And what I want to do is just give you three reflections on how to maximize what we can learn from this, how to have and place confidence in God and try to just realize that it can't all be just in ourselves. Whether we have that fight or flight response, uh, we will definitely just like David encounter times in our lives that doesn't matter what we have in this life we need to have confidence in something greater so there's three things that I believe to be true about truly placing confidence in God and the first one is that we have to have trust confidence and trust go hand in hand and it sounds a little bit obvious but you have to believe that God is strong and able and good and with that it means trusting that his what what God calls good for you is better than what you call good for you. That makes sense. One of my favorite quotes is by an author, C.S. Lewis, and uh, it's in a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. And what it takes is this young girl character, it's this fictional world, and she asks, uh, she asks after hearing about Aslan the lion, who is the representation of God in this world, uh, is he hear she hears about this lion and she asks, is he safe? And to which the response is almost a bit of a chuckled, like, no, he's not safe, but he's good. She gets told that, no, you're going to be scared because he's not safe to be around. It's going to be wild. But what he does for you is good, better than what you think is good for you. This is, this is, uh, this is a description of God that we need to trust in his plan and his truth as being good for us versus what we think is good for us. And a second piece of being confident in God involves supporting him, supporting him with our words and our actions. And here's something I mean about this and why I think it's something that we need to be disciplined about actually doing. Because a characteristic I've seen rise up in a lot of us, in myself and a lot of you and really humanity in general during this COVID-19 season is we've all become what I like to call armchair critics. It's just where we're all trolling online, ready to say whatever we can about something we disapprove of publicly, well, publicly online. 
And what that is, is everything from the software that we're using to try to do work meetings or whether it's Google and uh, Google Meets or Zoom not working properly. You know, now we have, we're happy to say that no software engineer knows how to, how to make anything right. The internet never works good enough. Our current city leaders and politicians are making the worst decisions. The doctors barely know what they're doing. And so many of us are becoming these crazy critics because we're just not supportive of much right now. We don't have much confidence in what's happening. And it's because we're so removed from them. We have this physical barrier in the way. And the thing is, this par parallels a lot with we, seasons we can go through in our lives where we're critical of God. And we're critical of when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to. And he doesn't, uh, or we don't see in the Bible what we believe should be true in our lives. Jesus doesn't model a path of lifestyle that we want to live. And so we start getting critical of him. And we can believe that God knows best. We can have that statement, you know, a confession of faith. But if we don't support him with our words and our actions, we're not truly confident in him either. The thing is, this rolls perfectly into my last point here about how to truly have confidence in God is we need to have a real relationship with him. And that is what's happening right now is during COVID-19, we have completely lost relationships or at least a physical component of relationships with people. The, it's so easy to be critical and honestly nasty to people when we don't have that emotional accountability of being right next to people face to face where we start seeing that they're trying their best. And, and so we do that a lot with God too. Uh, maybe we have just rehearsed prayers in our life. We've got, you know, our weekly tune in to an online church service. Uh, soon, maybe we're just coming back to attend church, but that's it. And we have a, a very surface relationship with God. And it makes it easy to be critical. It makes it easy to be distrusting and easy to not be supportive of him. So once you truly know God, it's harder to be critical because you know where his heart's coming from. And it's a heart of love for all of his people. Confidence in God is the goal outcome here. It's what we want to have. We want to be able to move a lot of the confidence in ourselves that's getting shaken up right now, undoubtedly, move it towards God who's better and bigger than us. Like David, we can have everything that the world says we need, but in a moment we can lose it. We need to place our confidence in God because there will be unexpected events that come our way constantly. And why not put our confidence in the one who knows what those unexpected events already are in advance and he already knows the best ways through them. So what I want to do is make sure I don't end without saying a point here too that uh, if this language about having a relationship with God sounds bizarre to you, it's just this weird statement, it might sound ridiculous, but maybe you're curious about you know, the psalm we've just gone through here. Maybe you're curious about the idea of having confidence in something greater than yourself. Maybe you're impressed by King David and the movement he made from being a great man who had a failure and then put his confidence and trust back in God. Uh, I, I want to invite you to reach out to us. Send us a message either on Facebook or you can send us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca because I would love to get myself or one of our pastors here to get in touch with you to tell you a little bit more about what this relationship with God can really look like. Because, uh, again, I'm just going to put this statement here. Uh, the world is going to be wild 
for us. And right now we're still even looking at what the next year might look like. And we might have had an entire world of skills and plans set up and it's changed because of COVID-19. And we can have confidence in God who knows that this is just a minor superficial thing and there's much bigger things that can come out of it. I'm just going to pray for us here and we're going to wrap it up for the morning. Uh, again, we're going to be on the chat comments. Happy to chat about this. Send us an email. Give us a call. We'd love to follow up with you about uh, anything happening here around Cedar Valley. But let's just pray for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, you are greater than we can ever be. And we're so happy because we don't have to fully live up to that. God, we can put confidence in you and you promise us that you will deliver us. God, like King David found when he trusted only himself, it all fell apart. He had to turn back to you. God, like your son, Jesus was unable to face the massive weight of what was going on without your support, God, without being confident in your plan. I pray that you can show us that confidence in you is good. God, show us the goodness in your plan in all of our lives. God, that if we turn ourselves towards you constantly, God, I just ask you that your goodness is evident overwhelmingly in our lives. God, be with everybody who's here listening in on the service or will listen in in the future. God, I just pray that you are with us all. Give us an overwhelming reason to be confident in you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. That's it for this morning. Thanks for joining in. Have a great week.